They face the glider down the hill. They have a piece of elastic held by two people, one person on the, each end of the elastic. That gets hooked onto the, uh, the hook on the glider. They face the glider down the hill. You, pull the bra- you hold the brakes. These two guys start running with the elastic down the hill. And when they disappear, I believe you count to 10. After they disappeared, you release the brakes. And there's enough tension in the elastic then to just fire you down the hill into wind. And you're, you're straight up into it. Welcome to Soaring the Sky, a Glider Pilots Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I am your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 67. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. If it's your first time, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving a shot and listening to Soaring the Sky. I do want to give a big thank you. We do have a brand new Patreon pilot, and that is... Greg Buckmaster. Greg, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast and helping to make this possible here and bringing great content. Brett Ross, also our continued supporter Patreon. Thank you. Mitchell Thompson as well. And Ryan Trudeau. Thank you. And if you'd like to help out the podcast, patreon.com slash soaring the sky. There is another way you can help us out. It's not going to cost you a dime. It's just going to cost a few minutes of your time. And that is go to Apple Podcast, leave us a review You can also leave a review on your favorite podcast app. We do have another great guest coming to you next here on Soaring the Sky. This episode is sponsored by the Southern California Soaring Academy, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in the high desert of Los Angeles County. Soaring Academy is dedicated to growing the sport of soaring with young people through its 8th grade STEM outreach programs and giving back to PTSD-afflicted veterans during private monthly events. Flight lessons and mountain soaring are available year-round to the general public, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. To learn how you can get involved, check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Soaring Academy or online at SoCalSoaringAcademy.org. Our guest, Martin Orchard, originally from the West Midlands, England, was inspired by flight at an early age. From bird watching, flying RC planes, and home simulators to experiencing flights in various powered aircraft, it wasn't until later in life he discovered the joy of soaring. Now a glider pilot in Southern California, he soars any chance he gets and hopes to inspire others to follow their dreams and just fly. Also, another guest pilot with our soaring safety segment. All that right here now on Soaring the Sky. Martin Orchard, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Glad to have you today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you, Chuck. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great. Thank you, you know, very much. Sorry, thank you for just thank you very much for having me on the show. <laughs> absolutely. The first time I actually spoke with you was actually on Condor. That is correct. <laughs> we have a lot of fun on Condor. Yeah, and then come to find out, you're flying out of the same glider board that I flew out of when I was in California. There you go. It's a small world, right? In the uh, in the, in the glider community crazy right you happened to not be there that weekend so we didn't get to actually meet then but that's that's right i still don't know what you look like <laughs> oh you're not missing anything <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> same here mate same it's probably best <laughs> oh, dear. so when did your aviation adventure get started my aviation journey started very young in life as a kid it was mainly my mom was an avid bird watcher. She'd always be looking out of the kitchen window into our garden through some binoculars and shouting out to us what bird she could see. And 
I, I got interested in birds and I, I went on nature walks with my mom and identified all these birds. And every now and again, we'd see a raptor. Um, and I just remember seeing a bird of prey was like the ultimate bird watcher experience. It was like, wow, you, it's not a sparrow. And bird watching um, at, at school, when we would have drawing class, I'd always draw birds of prey. Um, that was what I chose to draw. It'd be like a golden eagle or or something like that. And yeah, so that was like the, the, the bird watching side of it with my mom. And then there was the side with my dad, which was, he flies model aircraft, radio control. Um, the first radio control model that I saw him work on was actually a glider and it was on the kitchen table and he was putting some radio gear in it. And the following day we would go and fly that glider and he would threw it off a ridge and it disappeared down into this valley but then he he must have hooked it back around there was obviously no lift and he he brought it back around right back and he landed it right back on top of the ridge we were standing on and that was the only flight of that glider that day but yeah so my dad's um radio control thing was definitely um a big pull for me my friends and I once made wings out of cardboard and we <laughs> would jump off his garden shed and attempt to fly. And we were convinced it would work. Those wings were, uh, they were foolproof. We put a lot of work into them and uh, we were sure it would work. And it's funny what you do when you're a kid. You were, you were so sure that it, it was going to work and it, and it didn't. But we were convinced that we could fly down to the, the store at the end of the street to buy some candy. Um, but my dad would take me to um, the local air museum, which was Cosford in, in the UK. Royal Air Force Cosford. There's a lot of beautiful aircraft there, vintage World War II aircraft. And that was always a place I remember going. They would have air shows there as well. Going to those air shows, you know, introduced me to a lot of different kinds of aircraft from all different kinds of ages. It was something that I absolutely loved. Watching a Harrier jump jet fly, watching all these aircraft was definitely a, a real big pull to me. Like, and then, um, Top Gun hit, <laughs> and 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 once Top Gun hit, I speak for a lot of people my age. If you were a kid at the time of Top Gun, it was just it brought fighter jets into the lounge, and um, everybody wanted to be Maverick, right? And and that was me too. I wanted to be Maverick. I decided I wanted to be a pilot. I remember getting my first computer, which was a a Sinclair Spectrum. I think it had one hundred and twenty eight k of memory. And it was like a cassette loading computer. And <laughs> like the graphics were terrible, absolutely terrible, like line drawn graphics, two or three colors maximum. I remember going to the game store at the local shopping mall. I remember seeing this game on the shelf and it was, it was a game by, I believe it was Microsoft or Microprose at the time, I think. And it was called F-15 Strike Eagle. And it was like, okay, I can fly a jet. The thing about it was it was actually a simulator. It wasn't like I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Afterburner, which was like a fighter jet game, like an arcade game, which was a great a fun game, but it was always like a predetermined path. You could never fly where you really wanted to fly. Whereas with this one, I could I could fly around a map and I could navigate to points and could drop bombs on enemy bases and shoot down other aircraft and that and try out my maneuvers and I, I learned how to hit the brakes and make the jet behind me fly right by, just like Maverick did. 
And it was like, okay, it works. Maverick was right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so that was my like medium to fly was like a, 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 a flight simulator and flight simulators would continue to be like a, a thing for me. They got better over the years and I continued on them. And I always like to fly by the terrain on the simulators that seemed to be more appealing than just flying in a big flat open expanse of land. I like to be by the mountains kind of thing. I started flying models with my dad. Eventually I started with a very basic airplane. It was just a a rudder and elevator airplane. Very, very simple. I still have that plane to this day. I I, I kept it because I want to fly it again one day. I progressed through airplanes. I progressed to more aerobatic airplanes with more power I got much better at flying and it was flying a model aircraft is is really weird because as soon as everything's as soon as it's flying towards you everything's in reverse apart from well apart from the the elevator but everything's in reverse so it kind of taught it sharpened my uh I feel like it sharpened my skills like you know as a, as a kid you had to be pretty quick and like bringing a bringing a, a model aircraft in for a landing is is not easy at all really it's very easy to crash one model aircraft flying was like a big thing for my dad and that was something that that we um we shared together my brother my older brother matthew he ended up joining the royal air force that just kind of continued dad's interest in aviation it's like now he has a son in the air force and he was very proud and we were like a a flying family you know we were all interested in aircraft when i was in my early teenage teen years my 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 granddad for my birthday bought me a flying lesson in a glider at the local glider port right and which is actually called long mind it's a beautiful little place there's um it's a, a big long ridge that on on you'd, you'd love it chuck because you're a ridge flyer you'd love the long mind it's pretty similar to where you fly actually but it's a lovely long ridge and they they winch launch out of there it's also home of the bungee launch where they face the glider down the hill they have a piece of elastic held by two people one person on the end of the, each end of the elastic that gets hooked onto the uh, the hook on the glider. They face the glider down the hill, and you uh, you pull the bra- you hold the brakes. These two guys start running with the elastic down the hill, and when they disappear, I believe you count to ten. After they disappeared, you release the brakes, and there's enough tension in the elastic then to just fire you down the hill into wind. Nice. And you're you're straight up into it. No no winch launch needed. I believe it's one of the only places that does it. It's 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 the, I believe it's the home of the bungee launch. It's 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 on YouTube. You should check it out. It's really good fun. But my grand like unfortunately, I never made it to that glider lesson. My granddad bought me that lesson. For some reason I never made it there. I was a teenager for whatever reason and I can't believe it. I look back now and I find it really hard to believe that I um I did that. I would have started soaring a lot sooner, <laughs> a lot sooner. So there was there was that. I I completely missed that that opportunity. When I left high school, or when I was leaving high school, we did something that's called work experience. I'm sure you guys have something very similar in the US, where you go and you decide what field you'd like to work in and go and work at a local business and get some experience on the job. And my dad had got his um his private pilot's license by this time. He was flying Cessnas at the local airfield, and he uh he got me two weeks work with the air mechanic at this one particular company within the airfield and I got to hang out with this guy put some overalls on he'd have me clean aircraft he'd have me respray aircraft parts 
and and stuff. And it was it was great to be like hands on with aircraft in a hangar taking them apart. You know, that was really good. Uh, it, that was a a great experience. And they're not allowed to actually pay you for your the work that you do with money, but they paid me with a flying lesson, and that was great. Um, it was like I'd been practicing on my simulators over the years, and it was the first time I'd ever really sat in a in an airplane and behind the controls. And um, it was a chance to test out what I'd learned. The instructor powered up the airplane at the start of the runway, and I remember looking over at him, and he was just like eating a sandwich with his. He, he was holding his lunchbox with one hand, and he was eating the sandwich with his other hand and he was just steering it with his feet and I was like is, is this guy got control you know and he's like start to pull back pull back pull back so I eased back on the yoke and up we went and I was flying it around it was like I can I can do this straight and level turns and it was it was all because of my my simulator and whatever I was flying on simulators whether it be jets or a spitfire or Anything like that, it was it, it taught me how to fly around straight and level and and basic flying skills. So then my dad actually ended up building a real aircraft. After all the years of building model aircraft, he decided he was gonna build an aircraft called a Peton Pole Air Camper. It's quite an old design. I believe it's from the like the 1920s. It's made out of Alaskan spruce and canvas and glue. It's like a open cockpit, high wing, vintage plane. Very, very basic. It was a plane that the everyday guy could build. You too can own an airplane. You can build this beautiful peed and pole and achieve the flying dream yourself. And that was how this aircraft was marketed back in the 20s, I believe. And that's what drew my dad to build it himself. So it was, it was really cool to see my dad build models over the years and then actually see him start to put together this the parts for this real plane. I remember him working on each individual wing rib. Those wing ribs got mounted on wing spars. And then before long, there was there were two big wings hanging in the garage and it started to take shape over the years. It took him four years to build it. It's a long time. He put a lot of time into that airplane. I remember coming back from work one day. This was towards the end of the build. I was in my first car and I was driving coming down our driveway. My father lived out in the countryside. I was coming down the driveway and he'd got the airplane out on the drive. He was sitting in the airplane. He got it tied, the tail tied off to a tree. He'd got the aircraft on chocks and he was sitting in the aircraft running the engine up at full throttle Nice <laughs> on the driveway and all the neighbors were out looking. <laughs> I mean, not, not that he had many neighbors out in the countryside, but all the neighbors were out looking and every and it was it was it was really something it was like wow look at him he's <laughs> he's on the driveway in his own airplane now it's like now he's now he's making now he's made a real one <laughs> wow he's like look the engine works it's it's up and running so he he built that and it was a beautiful airplane he uh he like i say it took him 4 years to build it and he only ever flew it a few times i believe because it ended up being too expensive. It was too, too expensive of a, a hobby for him to, to maintain. Just keeping this aircraft was was too much for him at the time. Um, so he sold it. It was more about building the aircraft. That was that was the fun for him. So he he sold that aircraft, and um, he went back to start uh, flying radio control again. So that he was back to where he started, and he, he got 
equally as much fun out of that. We'll be right back with our guests, but first a word from our friends and fellow podcasters. Hi, it's Natalie Flygirl Kelly. And Fly Alyssa. We are female pilots, aviation lovers, and hosts of the podcast, Cockpits and Cocktails. We use this podcast as a way of sharing our journeys in aviation and allowing other females in aviation to share their amazing, inspiring stories as well. Please give us a listen and join us for this fun, informative podcast with adventure and humor waved in. Blue skies. Cheers. So um, I kind of lost interest as I got into my late teens with flying. I uh, started singing in a band, just went away from aviation. I always still loved aircraft and that, and I had all this knowledge of aircraft and all these different aircraft types, but I just really didn't have the urge to to fly and um i lost it for a few years after i didn't become a rock star i uh i moved <laughs> it's disappointing right i moved to the states six years later i got married to my wife estella i could say i'd i'd lost kind of lost not lost interest in flying but like the dream of me actually flying a plane myself had kind of gone away for a while i ended up moving to hollywood california my wife got a job opportunity and we we made a move from Atlanta, Georgia, out to California. I started getting interested in simulators again. And I thought, oh, I wonder what, what you can do with a simulator now. Like all these years, these years have passed since I've been on one. I wonder what a simulator is like now. So I started diving around on YouTube and I saw some videos of people flying simulators. And I was like, wow, this looks awesome. So I built myself a, a computer and I started using X-Plane, um, which is a great program. And um, I started flying general aviation aircraft around the Southern California airspace. It was great fun. I started to learn how to read read maps and how to talk to air traffic control. There was a great program that I used at the time. I'm sure it's still going now. It's called Pilot Edge. And they are a, a virtual air traffic control network for Southern California who behave exactly as they would in real life. So it's a, it's a great resource to learn how to fly. I mean, it, they, it's, it's as it would be. You fly online with other people and everybody's flying all kinds of different aircraft. But that was what I was doing. And I was, I was really enjoying that. I'd bought myself like a yoke and some rudder pedals and flying all kinds of aircraft around Southern California. Over the years, my wife, for as, as, as like a birthday surprise, she would buy me a, a, a flight in in a various kind of aircraft. Um, over the years, nice. that's been like uh, a little Robinson 22, R22 helicopter, which was crazy little helicopter. Just like the smallest little helicopter. Sorry, not an R22, an R44. The 22 is the smallest one. But I flew in one of those. I flew in a, a Helio um, seaplane, which is absolutely beautiful. Did some um, water landings in Long Beach Harbor, by some um, oil tankers oh, just wow. off the coast there. That was a, a really nice experience. Finally, I mean, I was looking on, I was learning to fly on YouTube as everybody learns everything on YouTube. So I was learning, there's various outlets for instruction on, on YouTube. There's like flight schools on there and that. And some of them are really good. And um, I remember I was looking at, at instructional videos and the videos that I could watch next were down on the left-hand side of the page, and I could see there was a window there, and it, it looked like a, a relatively small instrument cluster with good visibility, and it looked like somebody was on top of a mountain somewhere. 
And I immediately clicked on it. And that was when I first came in contact with Bruno Vassell. And I saw Bruno running a ridge in his glider and I could not believe what I was seeing. I'd missed this like my whole life. I, I didn't realize that what was possible in a in a glider. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people do. Um, I think a lot of people assume that there's no engine in a glider, so you just you're just gonna be coming down really soon. And and that's it. And it's pretty uneventful. You're gonna go up there and you're just gonna come down really quick. Well, I guess I'm kind of ashamed to say that was kind of my belief. And then when I saw Bruno's videos. I couldn't believe what he was doing. So Bruno, thank you very much. You totally inspired me to fly gliders. And I think what you do on YouTube is, if you're listening, what you do on YouTube is a great thing. You're inspiring people all over the world and more people should do what you do just by putting a simple camera on their glider and, and posting it for other people to see. But after I saw those videos, I immediately sold my control yoke for the simulator and I bought a stick <laughs> and then I and then I modified my simulator into a position where I'm more lying down like nice. you would be in a glider and then <laughs> and then I started to fly at the local glider port which is Crystal in uh in Southern California just on the north side of the San Gabriel's out in the desert it's beautiful and I started learning to fly around there and then my wife bought me a, a trial lesson in 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 the glider I think that was about four years ago. I took that one flight. It was a very calm day, snow on the mountains. It was a winter flight. I believe it was early January and there was no lift. Very calm day, high toe. We did a few wing overs. Um, I just couldn't believe how how smooth it was and how, how peaceful it was. Um, people are so used to flying with an engine involved and the, the constant hum of an engine up front it's something that we experience like every time you get on a jet, you can all, you always know those engines are there. And when they're not, that sensation to me was very, very different to any other kind of flying that I'd done. It really got my attention. And that was it, really. I saw that. I, my, like I say, my first flight was very poor conditions, say just not good lift. And, and then the next flight I took was with an instructor called Dale Masters, who's, who works at the Soaring Academy. He's a great instructor. He's been flying. Oh, his, yeah. Been, yeah. You know, Dale. <laughs> He's yeah, been flying his whole was, life. I was out there. I got to fly with Dale, which was an amazing experience. It, it really is an amazing experience. And um, one flight with, with Dale, like my first flight with Dale, we were just approaching a mountain and the trees were getting bigger and we hadn't turned yet. And we finally made a turn in front of this mountain and we just started working this face of a mountain. And I'd, I'd never experienced that before. I, I didn't know that that's what you did. Like you, you could climb a mountain in a glider. Like that was like, wow, we can, we're actually going to start down here and we're going to end up on the top and then we're going to move on somewhere else. So that was pretty unique. It really was. We will get right back to our guest, but right now it's our soaring safety segment with our guest from Italy, Gaetano Benincasso go out there, ask questions to more experienced pilots and try to understand how things are working generally. You, you get a new flight instrument, try to understand all the ins and outs of the instruments. Be uh, curious, keep studying. That's the, the main advice. It, it, it will always pay off. 
If you'd like to sponsor our Soaring Safety segment, you can get in touch with me at chuck at soaringthesky.com. You know, I met Chris and Judy Bennett, the guys that run the operation at Soaring Academy. And they just seem like really good people and a, a great group of people. And I thought, I think I think I want to do this. This is a kind of flying that's way more accessible to me. I realized that like flying a, a power a power aeroplane, you know, there's you restrict you are restricted with a glider, of course. But I think when I looked at it, the way I inter- interpreted it was I can fly in a Cessna in Los Angeles airspace and stress over radio work, charts, and all this other air traffic. Or I can go out into the mountains and just get dropped off somewhere and look out of the window and just fly, you know what I mean, and use nature. And that, to me, was more appealing. And it, and it occurred to me that that, screen, like that that screenshot out of the glider from Bruno's glider was actually kind of what I was doing when I was a kid on simulators and flying close to the terrain. And that's what I love about, about soaring. I've only flown at Crystal, but I love flying by the terrain. It really makes you realize what you're actually doing. Like when you get close to a mountain, it definitely does something to you. Like it, it really does. Like I say, flying out in the, in the open, it doesn't really do much for me, but flying by a mountain. Now that's, that's really something. Yeah. I love, love those ridges. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just great. And, and the work, the work that you have to put in to climb one and the reward when you've climbed one, I think that's, that's what soaring is for me. It's work and then a, a reward. What was one of your most memorable flights? One of my most memorable flights was from uh, early 2019 um, in March. It was still really cold. It's a beautiful sunny day at Crystal in Southern California. And I took a, a, a mountain flight. There was a, a, a light wind from the north. All of the, the mountains were working. And it, it was just like, it just seemed like the first flight that I'd ever took where I was able to put all the skills together, climb one mountain, move on to the next mountain, um, and, and just and use everything that I'd learned. And the scenery was just so beautiful that day with, with snow on the mountains. At one point, I remember I was actually thermaling underneath a snow cloud. I could see like the snow hitting hitting the windshield. I couldn't believe it. Um, it just seems like every time you go soaring, there's something, something happens. And I still can't believe I still can't believe that I do it sometimes. It still seems like a really special thing to do. It's it's never lost its appeal. I would have to second that. Absolutely amazing. Every flight is incredible. It really is. It, it, it is. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't get old. You never know what's going to happen. It's always a new day at Soaring. Martin, would you like to give a shout out to anybody? I would indeed. I'd like to give a shout out to everybody at Soaring Academy in Southern California. A great team up there. They taught me to fly and... And I'm so happy that I actually made the decision to start doing this. And um, I don't think I'll ever look back. I'll do it for the rest of my life. So thank you very much to everybody there. Shout out to Bruno. Your videos inspired me, Bruno. So thank you very much for that and continue the good work. And I'd like to say thank you to my dad for inspiring me. I'd like to say thank you to my brother as well for inspiring me to fly. And also I'd like to say thank you to my wife, Estella, for putting up with me <laughs> and, al- and, and allowing me to fly and and basically accomplish a dream you know I, I, I'm really grateful to be able to do what I do I never take it for granted absolutely Martin I appreciate your time thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been 
Great to hear your story. Thank you very much for having me, Chuck. I really do appreciate you uh, asking me to do this. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for another great guest here on Soaring the Sky. Always great to hear from you. Some of you have contacted me. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for letting me know you appreciate the podcast. And thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast and supporting it. If you'd like to contact us on Instagram, Facebook, social media, Michelle will have all that info for you next. A lot of you are out and flying again. Good to see that. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time right here on Soaring the Sky. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website, soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky. Music for the podcast was written and produced by Kim Spangler. Voiceover work was provided by Michelle Perez. Graphic design for the podcast was created by Zachary Fulton.